I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm Jenna Spinelli from Penn State. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Thank you for joining us on, on Higher Ed Social. Thanks so much for having me. So, you know, Logan and I have been talking over the past couple of weeks about how we can address the issues of, of inequality and of, of racism that so many schools are, are grappling with right now. And I, and I really feel like rather than sitting around talking about it, you and your team are just doing it. And that's why I was so excited to have you on to, to talk about all that, that you've been able to do in, in what seems like a very short amount of time. And it, it seems from the outside that you just kind of pivoted your entire operation on a dime to really be able to respond to, the, to what's happening and have some really great conversations. So I want to um, talk with you about all of that. But um, first, can you tell us um, where you work, what you do, kind of what your, your role is? Sure. Well, thank you both so much for, for having me. I'm excited to have uh, this conversation with you both. Yeah. I am Associate Director at JMU Civic, um, and we are in academic affairs. We're a, a small office. Um, we have an executive director, Abe Goldberg, who is my dear friend and colleague, and then myself. Um, and then we have an administrative assistant. And then we just hired on two recent graduates to stay with us in a fellowship position um, for this next year. And then we have a lot of passionate undergraduates working with us. So we have a very small, dedicated, but nimble team. <laughs> what does your team do? Well, it <laughs> um, so, so our, we have a pretty big um, mandate, if you will. And, you know, our, our job, um, our job is to embed civic learning and democratic engagement throughout the campus experiment. Uh, excuse me. Our job is to embed civic learning and democratic engagement throughout the campus experience. And we do that by partnering with faculty, with staff in student affairs and, and with students as well as with community partners. Um, and you know, the, the, the idea behind it is that we are here to create a more just and inclusive democracy and to think about how we address pressing public problems. Um, you know, under that rubric, we are, you know, or, or under that framework, um, we are the hub for voter education and engagement efforts. Um, and where I, I, I want to emphasize that we are a nonpartisan organization. Um, uh, we are nonpartisan on campus, but we, you know, we're in academic affairs, so we have academic freedom, which is great. Um, it means you have a limited budget, <laughs> so you have to be really creative about what you do. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we don't we don't have budgets that come with being, a, you know, a student affairs organization or athletics. Um, but what that does is it creates the opportunity for really inclusive coalitions and collaborations to think about you know, how do we address whatever issue is facing us? Um, and how do we think about, you know, 
our, our motto is, what do you care about? What can you do about it? Um, and so, every, you know, we all have something that we care about and our, uh, you know, our, our goal, um, what we do is to try to make those connections between, you know, caring about something, learning about something, having a deeper knowledge of issues, um, uh, and then connecting our expertise across, you know, in our disciplines and our majors, um, to making real world change. Yeah. Those are really lofty goals. They're super yeah. lofty goals. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you seem to be doing pretty well at, at, at meeting them, at least from, from what I, I've seen. I mean, so you know, how did you, um, so, you know, protests started happening, you know, Memorial Day timeframe. I mean, how, how and when did you decide, okay, this is something that, you know, we really need to be focusing on? And, and then what was that kind of pivot process like? For you, for you and your your team to devote what seems like a, a lot or at least the bulk of, of, of your resources toward issues of of racism and, and and inequality and those kind of things. Yes. So I would say, you know, first and foremost, you know, um, equity and inclusion is part of our strategic plan at JMU Civic. Um, you know, those were part of our values that we came up with when we went through a strategic planning process last year. And, you know, the, the organization was founded when AID came on board in 2017. And then our programming really only started in 2018. So we're, we're very young. We're only two years old. Um, but, and we did our strategic planning, you know, we had our first strategic plan last year and we very were, we were intentional, intentional about including equity and inclusion in our values. Um, as, um, as a professor, um, as, as a teacher, um, I came already with those passions um, and, and interests, um, just having done research in that area, um, and, 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 and taught, you know, my, my local government, um, my local my state and local government course, um, I call it local politics and issue governance, um, focuses around equity issues and thinking about how we see inequities and injustice manifesting in systems and structures and um, students come up with projects for thinking about addressing those issues, um, whether it's in health or criminal justice, um, policing, um, a, a whole range of issues. Um, so I, I had already come to JMU with, with those passions. And then it was, it, and, and so did Abe. Um, you know, we, we both did, and, and that's just part of our, you know, what our values are as a team. Um, we have been doing some things along the way that focus on these issues. Um, so for example, when it was revealed that Virginia Governor Ralph Northam um, had, had been in blackface, um, you know, we, we took, we have one of our things that we do is we set up um, pop-up tents in our public spaces um, in the quad or in the commons area um, and to, to talk about pressing public issues. And so when that happened, you know, we set up on the quad and instead of making it about, you know, asking people about Ralph Northam, we talked about racial inequality. We talked about racial injustice and we talked about, um, systemic racism and then asked people what they would do to address systemic racism. Um, and, and we partnered, you know, with, with some student facilitators on campus so that we could actually engage in discussions. I think we ended up being out there for four hours. <laughs> wow. 
Um, and, and it was just, you know, it was incredible. Um, and, and so we, we have done some of these things. We also try to meet students where they are by, you know, going to the events that student organizations have, for example, our women of color, um, and, um, our brothers of the new direction and our black student Alliance. Um, so, so we show up at their events and, and invited, <laughs> um, and, and have partnered with them on programming, including on, you know, dialogues, um, the tent talks, um, um, as, as well as, you know, just, just being present at their event. Um, so at mm -hmm. Fall Fest last year, we, we did um, a version of the race card project. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, um, but you, um, the prompt is to ask people their experience with race in six words. Um, and so a lot of it is digital, but we did it um, with like a, an Instatex uh, Insta um, camera. And so mm -hmm. people, we took, you know, people's photos and then they wrote it on, you know, the, the mini, the mini photos. And we have those hanging in our office now. Um, you know, those are just some small examples. So when we, we saw the protests happening, it was just obvious that to us that we needed to respond. And, you know, we saw statements coming out. Um, and I'm always, you know, I think there's a place for statements and I don't want to, um, to put them down in any way because statements are important. But for me, it's actions speak louder than words. And so the question was, okay, what, what should we do in this moment to reflect on who we are as a campus and mm -hmm. um, what can we do to elevate um, our black colleagues, our black students um, and, and their experiences where we are and what can we do to address systemic racism on our campus and in our community? Um, because that's where the real change happens. It's, it's not just something that's out there. It's also here. Um, so and so we, we just started consulting with a lot of students and faculty and staff. That's great. Do you, so how, how does, um, is, this is related to what you just said. How does, uh, how does your um, office kind of work with, you know, you know, the academic colleges, departments, um, all of those kinds of things to make these things happen? Um, so right now, because of COVID, you know, we, we can't really meet on campus. So if we were on campus, you know, we, we could do teach-ins or workshops um, uh, on campus. And, and since we can't do that, what we have focused on this summer are virtual discussions through Facebook Live. Um, and so we've had three of those now. Um, so the first one happened uh, the week after the protest really started. And that one really was discussions with faculty and staff and students from across areas on campus um, to talk about, you know, what, what needed to be done and to talk about their experiences and what needed to be done to create a more just and inclusive society and democracy. Um, and then the following week, we had our local police chief and our campus police chief, along with faculty and students to talk about questions around policing um, and, and then last night we, we focused on, um, the arts and poetry, spoken word and music and, and art history, um, and, and paintings and, and really talking about sort of black agency and, and the role of the arts in social movement building and in communicating values and ideals. And that kind of really is ahead of Juneteenth, um, you know, we're, we're, having this conversation the day before Juneteenth, um, which is the, um, 
a, a centuries-long tradition honoring Black resilience, Black resistance, and um, the fight for Black liberation. Um, so, and, and for listeners who might not know, um, June 19, 1865 was when um, Black communities in Texas finally received the news that they were no longer enslaved, and that was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Um, so I think, you know, we want to be very, we're trying to be very intentional, and I'm sure because we're doing this fast and pivoting so quickly, we're going to make mistakes, and we want to be held accountable for those. Um, we're trying to be as inclusive as possible, um, but we're also trying to have those conversations about what change is really needed. Um, I think we need to be out protesting, but we also need to be working towards actual changes in policy if we want to dismantle the systems and structures um, that have led to oppression and racism. Right. And so what, what has the, the response been so far? I mean, have, have other, other, other organizations throughout campus kind of picked up what, what your organization has, has started and kind of doing, are they doing their own programming or, you know, what are you hearing from other places throughout campus or even beyond? So I think, uh, honestly, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do is just work with others on that joint programming. So I wouldn't say this is entirely ours. You know, I would include, you know, we, we've just had tremendous partnerships from, um, you know, the art history department, from music, from student affairs, you know, who, you know, just, just kind of, it just has become this collective of, um, students, faculty, and staff who care about this issue. And so I think we're, we're all doing it together. Um, and, and there was kind of, there, there was a lot of, because people are at home, you know, being on Facebook, there's conversations that are happening as we're having the live discussions. Um, and, and then we're, we're following up with that with, okay, what do we, we do now? And, um, you know, so, so there's been some other things. So I think the next on the, on the list is um, we're, we're working with our Center for Faculty Innovation um, and putting together workshops, uh, three workshops in July for faculty and staff. Um, you know, I think one thing that we're being intentional about is not making it okay, this is just for faculty or this is just for students. We're trying to say, like, bring everybody, all these different units together mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because academia tends to be so siloed and decentralized. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so the workshops in July that we're going to do are going to, um, you know, we have experts and a lot of them who are going to offer um, resources for anti-racist and social justice pedagogy in course design, classroom practice, and in programming. Um, so we have student affairs representatives who can share what they're doing in their programs, faculty sharing what they can, you know, what, what can be done in, in courses, um, you know, to... to to make them more inclusive. Yeah, no, that's that's so great. Thinking as we head into fall, you know, whatever fall instruction is <laughs> is is going to look like. Um, but you know, so you said two words there that that uh, that I know kind of gave gave me pause, and I know Logan as someone who who works in social media, and that was Facebook and conversation. Typically, when people who work in higher ed social media, I think hear those words like are our back stiffens up a little bit, or we just think, oh God, what are people saying? What are they doing? But what, what has that, that conversation been like on Facebook as, as these, these events that you've been doing have been going on? So the conversations on Facebook, um, you know, have been 
really supportive and just, I, I think a lot of, you know, I'm at a, James Madison University is a predominantly white institution, um, as my colleague Jordan Todd in the Office of Residence Life called it a historically white institution. Um, so, you know, it's, it's I, I think, you know, in terms of the participation and the discussion on Facebook, I think there's a lot of reflection um, and learning and listening and, and support for, okay, you know, we, we have, you know, this is, this is, these are hard and difficult conversations, but we need to do something. Right. That's awesome. I mean, it's really good that, you know, you're able to have those kinds of positive conversations. And, and, and it's not to say that social media is not a place where, you know, um, civilized debate happens. Um, <laughs> but I can say that it is definitely something special when it does. Um, and, and I can say, you know, and this is something that's, that's, that's actually been rather fascinating for me, at least on my personal social media accounts, is people politely calling out people. Now, um, and, 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 you know, sometimes, I mean, we live in an incredibly polarized world and, right. you know, we're all polarized to some level, uh, whether we realize it or not. Um, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same kind of biases that we, that we, we just live with every day that we don't necessarily realize that we have. Um, but those biases, uh, folks are starting to really recognize and ask questions um, I actually saw a friend of mine, I'm from small towns. I've only, I've always lived in small towns my entire life. Um, small rural towns in the South, um, which, you know, in and of itself is, 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 you know, tends to have more conservative folks and, and folks who, who that, and, and one of the things that I've, that has given me a little hope um, over the last like two or three weeks um, where it really seems like, hope is lost sometimes. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm a person of color, though a lot of folks don't necessarily think of me as one. Uh, but, you know, I'm half Filipino. And, mm. you know, I, I looked actually more Filipino when I was younger than I do now. I think getting old, like, changed how I look. But anyway, um, you know, when it comes to that, and, and my experiences growing up and and, and being the only Asian kid in my class and, and things like that, a lot of people did not realize like the hurt that they, they did, even though they weren't meaning to. And I think now, you know, one of the things that I've really seen is like some of the folks who, who you know, didn't realize, you know, some of these biases and things are starting to understand, you know, the concept of microaggression and, the, the concept of implicit bias and they're doing research and they're realizing, oh, wow, I could do better. And, and that's something that's come out of this um, that, has, that has really, you know, giving me so, some hope, especially, you know, we're not even halfway through 2020 yet. It, we still got another few days before we even hit the halfway mark. Oh, Jesus, so, it's like it's been 60 <laughs> years. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I, I feel like, and I think the things that you guys are doing is really, really important. Um, I mean, civic engagement and, and, you know, not even to get off subject a little bit about, you know, the current events, you know, I was looking through the website and you guys are doing stuff with the census. Mm -hmm. um, 
you guys are doing stuff with getting out the vote. Um, and, and, you know, that's really heartening. And, and it's something that I know um, at Belmont, we're, we're, is a big, it's going to be a big focus for us this year because um, we're hosting the, uh, the third and final presidential debate. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that we're really, you know, trying to engage and, you know, finding ways to, to engage, get students engaged civilly, especially with, um, or civically, sorry, um, you know, well, in these times. Civically and civilly, I think they go kind of hand in hand. And in I think they need to. That's I mean, a whole other conversation to. we could have, but. Yeah, that's yeah but, <laughs> but, but, but I think that's so important right now because, you know, you think about it right now, 2020, you know, everyone was talking about how, you know, the pandemic is the new 9-11, which I actually think like 2020 is as a whole, at least the first half of it so far, has been the just an upheaval in our country that we've never seen before. Um, and, you know, our kids, if they remember it, are, are going to are going to remember this. Um, like I remembered like Challenger exploding or, or something like that. Like this whole year has been, you know, a thing. Um, and yeah, it's really amazing the stuff that you're doing. And, you know, uh, that's great. Sorry. I just wanted to say that. Um, yeah, it's just totally. wonderful. Well, yeah. Thank you. I think we, we have room to improve though, too. And I think one thing that we want to, you know, we, we do want to be constantly self-reflecting and, and critical, um, but also creative um, about how we approach this. But I think one of the concerns that I have, you know, as somebody who has been in the, in, you know, worked in the non-governmental world before I got my PhD, um, you know, one of the things that just surprised me so much about academia is how reluctant it is mm -hmm. to act, right? Mm -hmm. that, you know, oh, we, we only study, <laughs> study things, right? Um, but I, I feel like we need to apply our knowledge um, and, and move beyond sort of the, the private interests of knowledge production um, to, you know, really focus, refocusing um, back on the public goods of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually, that's, yeah, such a good point. And I think that, you know, a lot of institutions also kind of get paralyzed is, is, is the word I'm thinking of yeah. right now, but they just get stuck on, they don't want to say the wrong thing or they're trying to balance like which group do I offend or not or they have this idea about upholding free speech and all of these things and so it just ends it just really leads to this paralysis where you end up with a lot of like you were saying statements but not action so you know if there are people out there you know any of our listeners that might work in in various parts of, of colleges and, and universities that want to try to move the needle on some of this, to try to move their, their leadership from making statements into actions, maybe not to the level that, that you, know, you and your team have been able to do, but even something small, like how would you recommend framing that discussion or, or trying to get those conversations started on campus? So I think, you know, one thing is we're fortunate where we are that we have a center devoted to this. And, you know, I think that gives us a lot of privilege. And there are many institutions that, that don't have that, you know, where we can focus on coalition building and, and building relationships and identifying the problems that we want to collectively address. 
with our combined expertise and experiences. Um, I will say that before I came here, I was, you know, just an adjunct professor. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's, it, it kind of depends on where you are and, and what your position is, but thinking about, you know, how you can identify other colleagues, like-minded colleagues on campus um, and begin to work together to create change, to ask the administration for things, you know, to, to build that strength in numbers. Um, you know, so if you're a staff member in student affairs, um, you know, that's one of the, you know, even, even though we have the institute even though we have this center, I think one thing is just thinking about, okay, who can we partner with in residence life we, to bring our traveling town halls? Um, the um, residence life has been an amazing partner where we, we bring candidates to the students where they live because it was hard to get students to come out to see the candidates. Um, and we want students to be making informed decisions. Um, you know, if you're an adjunct professor, what is the, you know, what, what kind of syllabus can you create? What kind of course can you design um, how can you partner with, you know, an office of community service learning or even career and academic um, planning, you know, those, those kinds of offices or the teaching resource centers or libraries, right? Um, I think it's just kind of thinking through, you know, what relationships you can build and then convene people and, and bring them together. Um, but it's, it's a lot to ask, especially now, and I realize that because you know, we're, as we're pivoting to more, you know, hybrid models of online or distance learning, um, and we're being asked, you know, as budgets are being cut, we're, at, we're being asked to take on more. So, so these are big asks, but I think, you know, as we begin to work together and collectively and to break down the barriers and the silos um, that are in academia, we can, we can move the needle a little bit more. And I think, you know, again, there, there, there are structural barriers because of the way, for example, tenure is set up, right? Um, mm -hmm. So somebody on the tenure track doesn't have as much incentive to work, you know, in, in partnership because they're worried about their own individual positioning <laughs> um, and, and promotion. Um, but I think, you know, when a collective comes together, you can be able to push for, can we have, you know, um, models of civic engagement or civic learning um, as part of promotion and tenure requirements, right? I think that's, that's one of the big, the next biggest things for us is making sure that that's included in tenure packages so you can change the incentive structures. It's um, not all about scholarship. Right. <laughs> it isn't. Or it shouldn't be. Right. It's, but you know, it's it, I. I think that that's a. I think that that's an a, amazing and great idea. Um, and I completely lost what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I was going to say. I mean, even on the on the staff side too, it can be tough for you know a staff member. You know, especially if you're in a, a college town like you know where where I am here at Penn State. It's basically a company town, right? So if you are not working for the university in some capacity, there's there's not a lot of other economic opportunity. I mean, maybe that'll change with everyone pivoting to, to remote work, but that still remains to be seen. So I think that on, on the staff side, I, I imagine at other places too, is kind of a deterrent from anybody like sticking their neck out, right? Because they're just worried about losing their job or what consequences that come. People that don't have that kind of academic freedom that, you know, comes with, with having tenure and all of that. Yeah. And we're also, when you're also a state school, um, especially, uh, Especially, actually, in any case, I mean, you you 
your organization works at the um, at the, uh, you know, the behest of the state government. <laughs> so, you know, it's, that's another thing. I mean, I mean, that's something that, and, and I understand that, especially from a lot of state schools, you know, a lot of state schools want to say a lot more than they, they can say on, you know, one side or the other of, of the, of, of wherever they stand and, you know, their state governments, you know, hang over them and are willing to defund them. We've seen it. We've seen schools get, um, uh, get hammered by their state governments because they, they did something that the state government didn't like. And so the legislature passes a bill and the university loses millions of dollars. And, you know, that's a, that's definitely a thing. Um, and I, I guess the same goes with private institutions too. Uh, they work at the behest of their boards um and uh, you know they're donors so you have to you know you have to toe a line sometimes and that's that's very unfortunate um and you know the the general tone of the world right now which is very anti-intellectual um you know sometimes coming out of our bubble uh can can cause it to burst sometimes if we're not careful Right. So um, I, I want to kind of switch gears here before we, we, we start to, to wrap up. We could have a whole other conversation about incentive <laughs> structures and how to change power one day. We'll solve all those, all those problems. Logan, maybe by the end of this podcast, we'll have it all figured out um, by the end of the series. But um, Kara, speaking of, of you know, structures and, and you know, literally making change on campus, I know you've also been involved in the, the Change the Names campaign at JMU. Can you tell us about what, what that work is, is, is trying to achieve and, and, and what that's all about? Yes, so um, James Madison University um, has several buildings that were renamed um, during the era of Jim Crow in the South um, to uh, specifically three of them honor Confederate heroes. Um, and so there has been, um, calls long before, um, you know, the, this was re, you know, this is, this is a re renewal of calls to remove the names. Um, but we have viewed this as a symbolic step that the administration of JMU and the board of visitors could take to remove the names of Confederates, um, in order to, remove symbols of oppression, racism, and treason from our campus, um, and to uphold the values that we say we support of diversity um, and inclusion. Um, so uh, there's, there was a faculty member in political science um, who really tried to hone in just specifically on Confederate names because we do also have buildings that are named after um, other problematic individuals who were prominent racists, including former President Woodrow Wilson. Um, and so um, uh, political science faculty, um, including Abe and I, um, you know, sent this letter to President Alger on June 6th, I believe. Um, and we, we didn't really get a response. <laughs> um, or the response was, no, we'll, we'll work through some sort of process. Um, and so then 
that statement was made public. Um, students started organizing um, in our student government association, started organizing a bill of opinion. And uh, we have just seen a proliferation of statements from across the university like has never been seen before, <laughs> calling for the names to be removed. And the students came up with the hashtag change the names JMU. So we're, we're posting with that. Um, and um, I think one of the things that's interesting, and, and Logan kind of referred to this, this fear about um, politics, um, we kind of lean into politics on in, in the work that we do, um, because we don't, you know, what we're doing is not partisan. Um, it, it certainly is political, um, but it seems that changing the names of buildings or, or just removing them, it doesn't even have to be a name change. We can just remove the names of the buildings um, is pretty low hanging fruit, um, especially in this moment. And as you know, the least symbolic step that could be taken to move towards real um, equity and redress of harm that has been done to Black people specifically, but to other communities of color. Right, so since all of this has started, I know you're kind of literally right in the thick of it now as, as, we're, as we're recording here, but has there been any change from, from the president's office or from other leadership on campus in the, in the midst of all this organizing and, and, and um, an activity that's been going on? I suspect by the time this airs, there will yeah. be. Good. <laughs> it will be. Um, there's nothing I can say right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, some of us had a meeting um, a couple of days ago and then an article appeared today in which the administration kind of doubled down and you know, kind of said there's good, there's good people on both sides. <laughs> um, and and Always a thing as, to say. as a result of that, it just kind of like, it, it has elevated even more as mm -hmm. we speak. Um, just like while we're on this call, my phone is going off. Oh, no. Notifications well, on on yeah. Twitter um, and Facebook. Um, because we're also kind of amplifying, you know, we're, we're showing how much broad-based support there is for this mm -hmm. across academic mm -hmm. units and students and alumni. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I hope there's a change, but um, we, we probably won't know until this is indicated. Okay, well, we will um, link to your Twitter and, and all of that in, in the show notes so people can follow along. And if there, there's any updates between when we record this and when the episode comes out, we'll, we'll reflect that too. Hey everyone, I just wanted to hop in and give a quick update. As Kara mentioned, this episode was recorded on June 18th. On June 22nd, um, JMU released a statement. University leaders are going to formally recommend to the JMU Board of Visitors that the three buildings on JMU's quad, Jackson Hall, Ashby Hall, and um, Maury Hall, uh, be renamed. Um, that's huge news. And congratulations, Kara, on making civic engagement such a powerful thing. Yeah, was there anything else that, that you wanted to add, Kara, Logan, before we kind of wrap things up here? I think that's all the time we've got. It was really great talking to you, Kara. It was so great to talk with you both. Yeah, Thank you yeah, so no. much for this conversation. 
Yeah, thank you for all all the work you're doing, you have done, and uh, and will continue to do. Thank you. Me too. Listeners, head down to higher.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We'd love to talk to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vetrano and me, Logan Bishop, and is um, part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>